you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the privilege to come again and share with you. I bring you greetings from the Christian Broadcasting Network, uh, the 700 Club is the other name we are known by or if you like CBN I usually like to call CBN because most times when I say CBN most people think we are from Central Bank and I like that because I wish it was from Central Bank so we can use all that money and preach the gospel but we know that God is the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he will provide all that we need to be able to preach the word so thank you again for the opportunity to be here. I am very, very grateful. I don't take it lightly. Uh, um, and I hope that after I share, I will have left uh, some important information with uh, each and every one of us. Okay, I've been asked to share on raising a godly generation in the 21st century. Our mother who came to welcome us, I think has already said everything that I was supposed to say. In fact, at the point I was saying, maybe I don't need to talk. I should just come and greet you and go home. But we thank God for his mercy that the spirit is one. One of the things I'm not going to do is I'm not going to dwell on the problems because we all know the problems. If you, have, if you are up to two months old, you know the problem. So I'm not going to waste my time dwelling on the problems. I'm going to be dwelling more on solutions how we can take care of this problem that is the challenge today of raising godly children. I'm happy that the topic is not raising children. It is about raising godly children. I mean, that is different. You can raise your child to be anything. But it is more difficult to raise your child to be a godly child. And when you say a godly child, what is a godly child? Who is a godly child? A godly child simply is a child that one knows the Lord, has made a personal decision about the Lord, and has purposed in his or her heart to follow him and is actually following. Because you cannot be a godly child and not follow God. Then you are just a child going somewhere to happen. We don't know where you, you don't know where you are going. Nobody knows where you are going. Wherever you arrive is where you are going. But a godly child has a clearly defined goal. And the goal of a godly child is to do nothing else but to please God. That is the sole purpose and the goal of 
a godly child. Now, in way of introduction, I want to, I want to say a few things before I go into talking about the solutions. We know that bringing up children by itself, just bringing up children, let's even not talk about godly now, just bringing up children is tough. I mean, if you're a parent here, you know what it is. From when they are born, first of all, the problem starts. You can't sleep for like three months. When you, ask, you want to sleep, the child wants to stay awake. We are going through that in my family right now. My our first daughter just had a baby. And yesterday I sent, I sent an SMS to my wife. I said, how are you today? Because my wife is with her. And she goes, mm, this your daughter here has not allowed us to sleep. Oh. Now when everybody is sleeping, she is awake. When everybody wants to wake up, she is sleeping. And that's the time you get, so you understand what I'm saying. Physically, it takes a lot of effort to train up a child. I'm not even talking about training up a child in the God's way now. I'm just talking about just generally. It's tough. And there are many outside forces, both seen and unseen forces, that try to get the attention of not just the children, but even the parents. Because let's be honest, parenting is about the parent. It's not about the child. The child is not supposed to parent himself or herself. So when adults, when parents are distracted, it's a problem. And we know that in the world today, there are all kinds of things that can distract you. From economic problems, to security problems, to marital problems, to bad neighbors, to Boko Haram, Fulani headsmen, health challenge, there are just all kinds of things. And therefore, it is not surprising that people from the generation before us look at parents today and they will say, you know what, I'm happy I'm not a parent now. I'm happy I was a parent before. And I'm sure our children are looking at us today and saying, I don't want to be a parent at this time. Because the times, like the Bible tells us, the times are evil. When our kids look at us, what do they say? That's a question I want you to ponder about. When your children look at you, what do they say? What question do they ask? Part of the problem is that there are generational differences in parenting. You will agree with me that the way your parents brought you up, if you check, that's not the way you are bringing up your children right now. It's different. And trust me, the way your children will bring up their own children is different. And our mommy talked about some of the things earlier. Alright? Now, therefore, what are the differences? What are the differences in parenting then, now, and in the future? Are there parents that are not teaching their children well? 
Or do they deal with a lot of more problems because of the way we live today? The world we need to remember is always changing. The world is not static. The world is always changing. And these changes will bring a lot of questions. The most important question is how to raise godly children in a world that is changing quickly, fast, and every day. Why is it hard to raise children today? Even though it will appear that today's parents don't live up to the standards that our parents set for us decades ago, the biggest challenge in raising children today is still dealing with outside influences. That's one of the main problems, dealing with outside influences. And the reason I say the, one of the major problems is dealing with outside influences because I do not know any parent that would deliberately raise their children up to do the wrong thing. They may be using the wrong methods, but there's no parent that will, from the home, say, I want my child to be bad. But what happens is that influences from outside the home, some of which are drugs, alcohol, peer pressure, the effects of television, and social media. I'm sure some of you are wondering, he works in television and he's telling us that television is bad for our children. Yes. The wrong type of programming is bad for children. If you watch television today, you will find a lot of programs that are labeled children's program. When you watch them, there is nothing children about them. They are adult programs that have been labeled children's program. Because you see all kinds of things that you shouldn't see. You hear the kind of language that you shouldn't hear. And yet they say they are children's program. Part of the problem is also teaching children morals and values. A lot of homes today, everything goes. A child leaves the house, comes back home, and is carrying an iPhone 13. And the mother or father doesn't ask any question. Where did you get iPhone from? If you know what it is, iPhone 13 is the latest model of iPhone. I understand it sells in Nigeria for 600,000. One phone. And a child go in secondary school comes back home with an iPhone and the parent doesn't ask, where did you get that phone from? You just think it's okay, it's a phone. He or she needs a phone. So, moral values are at the lowest ebb. The other problem we have in the homes is when we fail to keep children in check. We don't keep them in line. Keeping them in line is part of the challenges we have in raising children today. Why is it hard to raise children today? 
social pressures. Now, if you watch the internet, you will see a lot of things going on. There's what they call cyberbullying. Children on, you know, on the internet are being bullied to do things that normally they will not do. We have seen children commit suicide because somebody on the internet has told them it's a good thing. When you commit suicide, you will just go and rest. You don't have any problem anymore. We have seen children, in fact, funny enough, as I'm saying it, I just remember, I was watching an internet program yesterday. And a little boy has been a friend of a man he doesn't know on internet. And he gave this man his address because the boy likes to play games, computer games. That's how they met on the internet. And they were playing computer games together on the internet eventually traced this boy to his school, got to the school, picked the boy before his father got there. Took the boy to his house and you don't want to know what he did to the boy in his house. It's not something I even want to talk about. Now, it all comes from unfettered access to the internet. What we do in my house is that when our children are watching anything on the internet, we don't say, don't watch, don't watch. We say, no, connect it to the TV so all of us can, can watch together. We're not, we don't say, don't watch it, connect it. And thankfully in our house, we are quite media savvy. So we connect it to the internet so all of us can watch. So they know if they are watching anything they don't want us to watch, they know they cannot watch it. At least they can watch it in the house. So that's one of the things you will do. We'll talk about it later. So I was talking about social pressures, teaching morals and values, keeping them in line, and then dealing with the educational system. I don't know about you. Right now, our educational system has gone from zero to minus. Children leave home. They come back home after interacting in school and they are saying some things that you have never spoken in your house. They are using language that is strange because the teachers themselves are, do not see anything wrong in those kind of languages. They say, using the four-letter word that I cannot mention, they just say all kinds of things. And Parents, we are not conscious enough to pick some of those signals and to deal with them. One of our, our daughters went to spend a weekend with her friend. And she came home two days earlier than she, we had given her permission to stay. And we said, what happened? The first thing she said, hey, daddy, the kind of things they say in that house. Ha, I'm shocked too. And I said, like what? Any small thing. This one will say, you are stupid. You are idiot. And I, I laughed. I said, you are suffering from culture shock. Why? Because those are not words you will ever hear in our house. You can never, ever call anybody in our house stupid or idiot. Because we tell you, God didn't make anybody who is an idiot. 
God didn't make anybody who is stupid. And so you cannot give them a name that God didn't give them. Didn't God say we are all wonderfully made? Therefore, there can be no stupid person. So she was shocked with the language. She came back home. Said, Kai, Daddy, I cannot stay. The kind of things they stay in that house. So sometimes we need to be sensitive to pick those signals and to deal with them. Sometimes too, it is financial pressures. Don't forget we are talking about why it is hard to raise children today. Sometimes financial pressures are responsible. Our mother talked about it earlier. We are running from pillar to post and we have left the children to the care of house helps, to the care of television, to the care of internet, and then when we come back, we are shocked that they are not the children we left at home. Why are we shocked? Our first ministry is to our children. Not the money. The money is good. But when we prioritize money over raising our children, we have it wrong. We are placing the cart before the horse. Now, absence of community parenting it's another reason why it is hard to raise children today. When we were growing up, I remember when we were growing up and our parents traveled. It didn't mean liberty and freedom. Because if we messed up, the adults in the compound that we live will beat the hell out of us. And when our parents come back, they will report and say, this one did this and I flogged him. And guess what our parents will do? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. God bless you. Now, you see a child doing something wrong. Because it's not your child, you walk away. You say, no, let me not talk to him or her before their parents come and fight me. So, community parenting is no longer there. So, it is now everybody to himself. Whereas, when we grew up, you cannot, because your dad is there, because your mom is not there, you still cannot misbehave. Any adult around there will deal with you and you will know that the community parents are still your parents and you are responsible to them even when your biological parents are not there. So we live in a fast-changing world and parenting, therefore, must be deliberate. We cannot do parenting by happenstance. Parenting must be de deliberate. Now, when it comes to raising godly children, great consideration is required because it does not occur by chance. Spiritual parenting focuses on your unique God-given position as a parent with a spiritual orientation. For us as children of God, bringing up our children is a ministry. It's not a job. It is a ministry. And you know what a ministry is? Ministry means you forget about everything and you do that work like your life depends on it because the truth is your life truly depends on it. And you will follow every precept that God tells you to take. 
is like our father in the Lord. He's in the ministry. Even when it is not convenient for him, there are things he has to do because it is ministry. So there are times it is not convenient for us to do things for our children, but because it is ministry, we have to do it. Sometimes we have to sacrifice our comfort. And I can give you an example. Uh, some years ago, my, my wife sat down and said, look, me and you, we are running up and down looking for money. Somebody needs to stay at home for these children. I had a good job. She had a good job. And she decided she was going to resign. She resigned her job, went back home to stay with the children. Now, somebody asked me one day, I said, I heard your wife resign. I said, yes. Was there a problem in the office? I said, there was no problem. So why did she resign? I said, to go and take care of the children. He said, his reaction was, now wow. I said, now wow for you, ba? I said, because we do not want to do the now wow in the future. So we better do the now wow now instead of doing it in the future. And we are happy today where our children are. It was a sacrifice she made to give up her job, her career, to stay home and take care of the children. So spiritual parenting focuses, again, like I said, on our unique God-given position. And it is a spiritual duty for every one of us. Alright, so now I'm going to begin to talk about guidelines for raising godly children. The first thing I'm going to talk about is teach them to believe in themselves. You know, a child that believes in his or herself, when they go outside, no matter what you tell them, they will not change. They will not change. They should be taught to believe in themselves because each child is unique. And this should be emphasized. Let them know that they are unique and they are special in God's sight. They are unique individuals with unique values, unique talents, unique abilities. And avoid making child-to-child -child comparisons and harsh judgment. As a result, they will learn that God and you both adore them. They will know that God loves them and adores them. They will know that you love them and adore them. Teach them to cherish other people. As children grow to appreciate themselves, they should also learn to respect and value others, regardless of their socio-economic standing. Let them realize how fortunate they are. Teach them that these benefits come with responsibilities and the need to be respectful. Now, we as parents provide things for our children. We should let them know that those things they have the roof over their head, the bed they sleep on, the toys they have, they are blessings. They are benefits. 
and they are fortunate to have them because there are so many other children that don't have what they have. I don't want to run ahead of myself. I'll talk about contentment later. Teach them that they are called to lead. They are not just called to be followers. They are called to be leaders. Now, when a child knows that he is called to be a leader, then he will not settle for mediocrity. He will not settle for average. He will begin to walk in everywhere he or she finds himself or herself to stand out. They should be taught to lead with confidence. They should stand firm in their convictions. Whatever beliefs they have that is coming from the place of loving God, they must hold firm to it. As parents, we must ensure that their beliefs reflect values of honesty and integrity. Teach them that true leaders are people servers. True leaders serve people. They are not the kind of things you see in our political life today where our leaders think that the people should serve them. They forget that another word for leadership is servant. So when they go up there, they are supposed to serve. But when they go up there, they want to be served. It should be the opposite. Set limits for them as soon as possible. Like our mother said earlier, do not set limit for them when they have become teenagers. By that time, it is more difficult. Set limits for them from when they are small. They know you cannot use the swell word. You cannot go out and come back after 6 p.m. When it is uh, food time, lunch or dinner, everybody must sit at the table to eat together because all that adds to family bonding. So we must set boundaries for them as early as possible. As early as possible. Giving rewards for being responsible. When they do something that is right, we reinforce it by rewarding them. And reward sometimes is not buying them a car or buying them the iPhone that you are going to have to save for one year to buy. No, sometimes it's just commendation. Call them and properly commend and affirm them. As a child goes older and more responsible, they should be given more freedom, of course. As they get older, you give them more freedom. A child will also be motivated by the right kind of rewards for being responsible. A child who gets everything he or she wants. If he wants this, he gets it. He wants that, she gets it. A child who gets everything he wants will likely develop in the future a sense of entitlement. They will develop and want everything they want. They believe they are entitled to have it. And guess what? When they don't have it, 
a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine usually say, they will forcefully bless themselves. And you know what that means. Simply means they resort to stealing, grabbing things that are not their own, show them how to make rules and stick to those rules. Setting up a strict routine for going to bed is one example that should always be followed. They should be taught to believe that God will take good care of them and to pray for whatever they need. They need to know that even if they know that daddy has the money to buy it, they still need to pray about it. Because God can provide the money and yet daddy is not able to buy it. I joke with my children when they ask me things I don't want to do, they know. I will say, give me time to pray about it. They know, they know I'm, I'm joking. And one, once my daughter asked me for a bicycle. And I said, bicycle of all things. You're a girl. She said, yes, daddy, I, I want a bicycle. I would like to ride a bicycle. Then I said to her, I said, give me time to pray about it. Then she goes, daddy. That means you don't want to buy it. I said, okay, come, let's pray. And then we held hands together. We prayed about the bicycle. And just interestingly from nowhere, a friend of mine called me and said, you know, on your birthday, I just felt led to give you some money, but I didn't know how to send it. And so now I'm in town. Please come over. And I went, he handed me this money. And I just said, wow, this is money for bicycle. So I called her. I said, you know what? God answered that prayer. She said, eh, which prayer? I said, that prayer we prayed now about bicycle. She said, eh, God answered. I said, yes, when I come home, I will come home with your bicycle. And I went home with the bicycle. And I said, the next thing now, we have to start learning to ride the bicycle. But you know, from that point on, she believed that even though she knows that daddy and mommy can afford some of the things, she knows, she goes and prays about it. So most times she'll say, I need to so thing. And then I turn and look, you need it. She'll say, daddy, don't worry. I have, I have been praying about it. So you see, we set a standard. And right now, she's following it. Uh, set strict daily routines. Set strict daily routines, like getting ready to go to school, getting ready to go to bed. By the way, let me quickly share this example. I have a six-year-old granddaughter that likes to just watch cartoons. And every time she comes to our house, she's there. She won't want to sleep. And I call the father and say, what's going on? I say, ah, daddy, you know, sometimes she will watch cartoon till 4 a.m. till she sleeps. And I go, no, that is not right. I call my son. I call him bros. I say, bros, you know that we didn't allow you to do that. Why are you allowing her to do that? There must be time to sleep. There must be time to wake up and do other things. And there should be time to watch cartoon. So one of these days, she came to the house. And about seven, she went to eat. She was playing with the food. I said, look, if you finish your food on time, I'll turn on the telly for you to watch your cartoon. And she loves to watch our program, Superbook. 
So she rushed the food because if she doesn't finish, she will not watch. She finished. We put on the telly, she was watching. When it was 8.30, my wife said, Ellis, she said, goes, Grandma, she says, it's time to sleep. No, Grandma, I'm still watching this cartoon. My wife said, Ellis, did you hear me? It is time to sleep. So, take the remote control, take it, switch it off by yourself. Switch it off. Say, now close your eyes, let us pray. And she prayed with her. You will not believe the next thing my six-year-old granddaughter said. She said, Grandma, you and gran Grandpa, you people know how to make me sleep. You understand? At that young, how young she is, she knows that she was getting away with that with her father. So I called, I called my son. I said, Bros, see what your daughter just said, which means it is your fault. You can't continue to tell me she likes to watch cartoon till 4 a.m. If she's watching cartoon till 4 a.m., it is your fault. So if you don't know what to do to make her sleep, come for tutorials. Then I jokingly said, and we will charge you for it because we have finished training you. Now, there should be this discipline. And discipline, there are two sides to discipline. There's punitive discipline and there's non-punitive discipline. Avoid discipline when you are angry. I will say that especially to mothers. My experience has shown that mothers are the ones that react very quickly. I grew up in a home where my dad is the very quiet one. You and my dad can be in the same house for two weeks, one month. You don't even know he's there. He comes in quietly, reads his newspaper, eats his food, sleeps. Next morning, go to work. Come back, read newspaper, eat, go to sleep. But my mother is the fire for, her one is not fire for fire, it's fire for water. Now, but what he did was he brought balance. There was balance between what my father does and what my mother does. Trust me, as quiet as my father is, there are three words you do not want to hear from him. My father used to be in the army. He left army and went into banking. So you can imagine. If my dad looks at you and say, you are hopeless, what that simply means is that you are dead. And you see what he's going to do? He's going to call you. He's going to give you a lecture. You did this. You did this. You did this. You did this. This is the reason why this, 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 this is wrong. So now you go cut the cane. Bring it that I'm going to use to flog, flog you. And I'm going to flog you 24. He will tell you everything. And if you go and bring cane that is not good, he will test it on your buttocks first. That one doesn't count towards the 24. So if you are smart, you will bring a good one. And then when he finishes flogging you, then he will not ask you, do you know why I flogged you? You have to explain. And if you get it right, 
the next thing you are going to have to apologize and then thank him for the discipline guess what we all grew up disciplined in fact three of my brothers joined the army three of them are pastors my sister who is not a pastor married a pastor that's to tell you what discipline but of course like I said my mom is, was the opposite my mom doesn't waste time she doesn't have time to have that national conference with you you do something wrong right there you are getting a slap that is going to make you begin to see stars and moons and then she has moved on after she's given you that slap she has moved on no stories alright so but what I'm trying to say is there has to be balance in the way we discipline our children avoid discipline in anger discipline should be balanced and the penalty should match the crime see I'm doing crime in inverted commas open and close the penalty should be in consonance with the crime don't over punish them for something small like the English people would say don't use a sledgehammer to kill a mosquito it's not necessary uh, my wife did it to our second son once she beat him I can't remember what he did and he cried and cried and cried and said mommy what is it do you want to kill me or you kill me because he thought the punishment was more than the offense he committed now positive discipline when we do it properly guess what it does it breeds intimacy between the child and the parent it will actually bring the child closer we must open we must maintain an open line of communication it's very important some of us don't talk to our children we are too busy we go to work by the time we come back from work we are tired we eat our food we jump on our bed we sleep next morning routine continues we must find time to talk with them and when you talk with them don't be shocked about anything you hear don't be judgmental have an open mind maintain composure and provide as many realistic responses as possible also familiarize yourself with the relatives of their friends make sure you know all the people they are going out with and their relatives because you do not know the child they are going out with may himself or herself not have a problem but they may come from a problem home and if you do not know that that influence may begin to rub off on your children down the road and then when you have gotten them to a point where they are relaxed pray for them always pray for your children I was happy about the prayer session this morning that's one thing as parents we must always do always always pray for them we should teach them God's standards now it is important because the word of God is not only our manual it is also the compass that we use to navigate this earth. The word of God is our manual. 
you know what manual does. When you buy a fridge, a TV, there's a manual that shows you how to operate it. That's what the Bible is. But the Bible is even more than that. It is the compass. What does the compass do? It shows you direction. So, the Bible is both a manual and a compass. While the manual shows us how to live in this ever-changing world, the compass helps us take control of the trajectory or the direction of our lives. The world may be changing, but God's standard never changes. That is the only manual that is relevant yesterday, today, and forever. So we must not fail to bring them up in the standards of God and let them know that God's standard doesn't change. At home, in school, at work, wherever they go to, God's standard is the same. I'm sure as parents, your children may have shared with you or you may have heard it. Everybody is doing it, so just do it. I'm sure you've heard that. They are trying to convince a child to do it. Why are you refusing to do it? Everybody is doing it. But if they know that God's word says you cannot, it does not matter what everybody is doing. Like I said to my children, you are not everybody. You have a name. So if everybody is doing it, let everybody be doing it. But you cannot do it because you are a child of God. Construct a secure community around them. You remember the uh, community parenting I talked about? Make sure that there are people around your children that they recognize and they respect. Let your children realize that their bodies belong to them and their bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit and nobody should touch any part of their body anyhow, whether you are there or not. They must know that people within the community, they owe those people to be responsible to them. 1 Corinthians 6.19 in the New Living Translation says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. It says God bought you with a prize. So once we know, that, once our children know that and they are grounded in that word, they know that the community around them, they are as responsible to that community as they are to us, the parents. We should be an example of what we want them to be. We cannot be teaching them one thing and telling them to do another thing. Don't contradict what you are attempting to teach them. This is because young people are more likely to imitate what they see than to listen to what you say. They will imitate you. It is what they see you do, they will copy. As a result, it is critical for parents to walk the world. Walk the world. So everything we do Everything we say. In fact, let me put it like this. Our thoughts, our words, and our action must take its root from the world. 
we must model the appropriate ideals to truly raise godly children. We should be the models of the character we want our children you know, to show. We should be the models. Most importantly, we should show children how to pray and teach them about love by how we treat other people. Show them how to pray. Teach them love by how we treat other people. We can't tell them, you know, you have to love people, uh, you have to be kind to people, and then the next neighbor, just because the son threw banana leaf in your compound, then you go and harass the father and the mother. You better take hold of your child or that's next time. We must show them love through how we relate to other people. We must instruct them on how to cultivate a contented heart. If you ask me, this actually, for me personally, this is where the problem is today. There is no contentment. Most people are not contented with where they are and what they have. And I will dwell on this for a little while. Too many young people today get into trouble because they are dissatisfied with what their parents can supply. They see privileged children and what they have and develop a desire to have those same things even though their parents are unable to afford the items they desire. Lack of contentment. But you know the Bible in 1 Timothy 6 6 to 9 tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we are brought into this world and it is certain we will carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, let us be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Now, the Bible doesn't have something about against rich people. What is saying that if you want to cut corners to be rich, you are going to get into trouble. So, we see that many young people envy other children from privileged homes. Many young people's problems have their roots in this problem. So like I said, I will dwell on this contentment issue for a little while. Sorry, my iPad just stopped working here. I need to get it back. So how do we instruct them? One of the things to instruct our children to be content, to get them to be content, one of the things is to teach them that all good things come from God. We must let them see God in every good thing that they have. Teach them that all good things come from God. If they, are given the, if they are given the blessing of something nice, maybe a holiday with the parents somewhere, or a daddy goes out, comes back home with pizza, mommy goes out, comes back with this doll, we must teach them that God gave it to them as a gift. 
God only used us as the parents to make that happen. If we keep their focus on God, they will always come out right. When we recognize that the good things we have are gifts from God, we can learn to be grateful for them instead of wishing for more. I think it's James chapter 1 verse 17 that says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no shadow of turning. Next thing we should do to teach them contentment is that we should not keep them in a cocoon. We should not overprotect our children. I'm not saying don't protect them. I'm saying don't keep them in a cocoon where they think that, you know, uh, this thing, my father will always do it. We cannot always, we should not always be there to protect them. Most children really have no idea how privileged they are. A lot of children don't. Don't be afraid to show them how people are living and explain to them that the meal, the food they are eating is more than what some other children have maybe in a week. See, sometimes our children sit at table, they eat, they walk, get up and walk away. They don't even realize that that food they just finished eating. There may be another child that may not have that food to eat for the next one week. So we should get them, in order to get, make this happen, get them involved in helping the needy and homeless people in our community so that they can truly get an idea of how good the things they have are for them. My late pastor, Pastor Ina Omaku, some years ago we went to, some of you may remember when the first religious riots happened in Kaduna. We were going to Kaduna, we were taking food items, medicines, blankets, clothes. We were going to give the people who are in uh, the different uh, displaced people's camps and he insisted he wanted his two daughters to follow us and I'm going why leave these children he said no 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 Felix I want them to come so they can see what other children are going through so that they will realize that the things they have is a privilege and they will cherish it and guess what I think it was uh Air Force Base. We went to Air Force Base and we saw a lot of children running about half naked. No clothes. And most of the prayers said, well, this is how we had to run, run away from our house. Nothing to wear. I mean, you can't be wearing clothes when they are coming to kill you. You run away. Even if you are naked, you run. Save yourself first, then you can be worrying about what to wear later. And so we start, when we started handing clothes to these children, I remember Pastor Enna's first daughter said, Daddy, is it that their father don't have money to buy clothes? He said, where they are right now, their life is more important than clothes. And so when he explained to her what happened, her reaction was, this was her reaction. She will left Air Force Base, 
that's how the daughter was looking. Like, I cannot believe a child will suffer like this. By the way, when we arrived that morning, a woman just had a baby. Can you imagine in a displaced people's camp? No clothes for the baby? Nothing. It was only her wrapper she used. She had two wrappers she escaped with. She used one to wrap the baby, used the other one to wrap herself. So we had to give gave her blankets, gave her clothes. Just to, just to say thank you. She couldn't even say thank you. She was just crying. Alright, let's move on because of time. Teach them that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. We will not always feel happy. But we have to make the deliberate decision to be happy. So joy, uh, joy and happiness is not in the things that we have. It's the decision we make. We should decide and our children need to be told that the abundance of the things we have is not what makes us happy. It's the decision we make. Teach them to meditate and talk about good things. Now, the things you meditate and talk about are the things that is going to occupy you. It's, psychologists have proved it. The things you keep thinking about, you start talking about it before you know you start doing it. So we must teach them to meditate and talk about good things. I think the Bible, in, yeah, Philippians 4, 8, it's there in the, in the slide. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on those things. The problem in today is that we are always focusing on the negative. They say, ah, sister, how are you? Say, hmm, now wow, Nigeria don't spoil you. Focus on where you want Nigeria to be. Speak good and prophesy good to Nigeria. Oh, uh, this, okay. Teach them not to be selfish. Teach them not to be selfish. Teach and show them to put other people first. We have to treat others with more importance. The Bible says so in Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Because of time, I will skip reading it. So we need to teach them not to be selfish. When you are selfish, it is a clear evidence of lack of contentment. So finally, one of the guidelines I will end with in raising children is engage them in chores. No child should be too big to wash plates, sweep the house, make their bed. None. Absolutely none. Some parents fear that chores will distract them from schoolwork. Now, you want me to be honest? Instead of facing their schoolwork, they are on Facebook. 
So they are really not doing school work. They should not be allowed to think that their enjoyment is priority over respect for us as parents and for others. So they must be involved in chores. When we were growing up, my mother didn't care whether you are a girl or a boy, you will cook. And you know those days, there was no blender. If you grow up in our generation, there's nothing like blender. Those of you that are growing up now, you are enjoying. You grind with stone. And every one of us, when I say every one of us, I'm talking including all my siblings, all our, and of course, we only have two girls in my family. Six boys and two girls. All of us grind with this stone. And God bless you, it is not smooth. You will go back and do it as many times until it becomes smooth. My mother doesn't care. You will grind the thing, you everything else you will do it, and she will tell you, stand there. Or add the pepper. Turn it. Stand there. She will go and do all that thing. She will come back. What have you done? My mommy, I didn't do anything. Okay, add the salt. When he finished, she will tell you, oh yeah, remove it. Put this other one on fire. Every one of us can cook. Every one of us. And we've tried to inculcate the same discipline in our children. In fact, I was very excited when my son called me last week. It was his wife's birthday. And he's the one that baked the cake for his wife's birthday. So, we should not allow them to think that their happiness takes priority over what they do for others and in the home. So in conclusion, parenting today is tough, but it is doable. Children of today have technology and other things to distract them from understanding that the quality of our lives are dependent on the quality of our relationships. Tough as parenting may be, all that is required is the determination, the commitment, creativity, and more importantly, the help of the Holy Spirit to point the children in the right direction. Thank you once again for having me coming to share with you. God bless you. I hope you so we'll pause for, I think there are, we can take questions, can't we? Thank you very much, sir. I've learned a lot. Okay, I don't know, I came a little bit late. I don't know if you touched on that. My question is going to be on child bullying in school. Okay? You, you as a parent, maybe your child is being bullied in school. Because I believe most people here may not know but do you think it's something we teach our children ahead? And how do you react to child bullying? Maybe they are bullying the children in school. How do you react as a parent? Is, are you to talk to your child or go to the school to fight? Uh -huh. we, we want to know. Thank you. Over to you, Daddy. All right. First of all, one of the things to do, I think I touched on, teaching our children to know that they are unique. They are special. Wonderfully made. And so nobody can put them down. First step. And one of the things we do with our children is say, see, you are complete. 
the way you are, you are not too tall, you are not too short. I say, if you see anybody taller than you, the person is too tall. If you see anybody shorter than you, the person is too short. You are just okay. So do not allow anybody put you down. One. Two. Do not allow anybody talk you down. If they do, do not behave like them. Go and report. And when you come home, tell us. Alright? And here's what we do. In spite of what, how we have brought them up to think, the first question is, what did you do? And we say to them, be honest, tell me the truth. What did you do? Did you encourage this person? Did you say something to the person? And once they tell us, we sit them down and say, you know what? This is where you went wrong. Next time you don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't put yourself in a place where you give somebody opportunity to bully you. Then we go to the school. Because if you deal with the child and leave it, it's going to continue. And you don't know, with children, they keep testing the waters. If they do it here today, nothing happens, they'll take it here next, the next day. The next day, they'll take it here. The next day, they'll take it here. So we'll go to the school and insist on seeing whoever is in charge. And we will tell them, so they know that we are not just here to fight. We have sat with our children, with our child, and we have discovered where they made a mistake. This is what they did, this is what they did, this is what they did. And we have told them, and we've dealt with it. But you need to deal with this. Because if you don't, the next time we come, we will not be this nice. I remember saying that to one principal. Yes, I said, please deal with this problem. Because if it ever happens again, I will not be as nice as I am now. I'm this nice because I believe that this is the first time. And so we need to nip it in the board. And the principal looked at me and said, Sir, I want to thank you. You are the first parent that will come and sit with us because we provide we provided solutions. We said, try and this, try this, try this. We provided solutions. Say, try these different things. But please do not let it happen again. Until our children finished from secondary school up to university, we didn't get any complaint from any of them. So you, it, you have to deal with it from two points in summarizing. Deal with it from home. Deal with it from school. Thank you so much. Let us give our daddy a round of applause. Let us appreciate you. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. And in order to get in, get understanding. Hallelujah. We also have here one of our brothers that want to ask a question. Please go straight to the point, sir. Your name and your question, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you for the um, teaching, sir. My name is Joshua. I want to ask a question, sir. Uh, you spoke about um, them having conviction. Having conviction as a child. Now, I remember while I was growing up, I, I was opportune to live with one of my uncles that had encouraged um, making decisions and sticking to those decisions. So I want to ask you, when you said that they should set limit, and also you mentioned that um, we should give them freedom. Because freedom, the way I said it is to say, as they grow up, yeah, you, age in, you increase the amount of 
freedom you give them. So my question now is that because of this um, social media um, age that we have, how do you encourage young um, parents on how to give their words confidence and also sticking to what they want to do in terms of career, career choices? Because we know while we were growing up, parents want you to do one thing. They want you to study one course. Irrespective of your own decision, your own desire, how do we go about it? Sorry, Daddy, before you answer that question. To our mothers, you can relate with us in Yoruba. We will interpret. If you don't feel like speaking in English, you can speak to us in Yoruba. We will interpret and the questions will be asked. Thank you so much. Over to you, Daddy. All right. First, mistake a parent will make is force a child to go into a career that is not something they like or have an aptitude for. Because there are, two there are two things here. Does the person have aptitude for that thing? And is he interested in the thing? What parents should do is sit with your child. You, you know the child. You don't need to study the child. It's your child. You know them. You know what attitudes they have. And use that to like channel their decision on what they do. And I'll use my last daughter. I'll use my last daughter to give you an example of what I did. Now, I discovered that my last daughter is very good in maths. It's the opposite of me. I am the direct opposite. If you write one plus one now, I don't know the answer. All right? But she's very good in maths. And so she started taking further maths in school. She said, in fact, she said she was going to take it. And I go, hmm, that's very interesting. I know she got it from her mom because her mom is also very good with, with, math, with mathematics. And then we discover just casually, she likes to draw. So I said to her one day, I said, you know what? You like to draw. You are good in maths. I think you should study architecture. And she goes, no. Daddy, no. And I said, uh, why? She said, Architects are always stressed. And you know what? She was right. From her frame of reference, she was right. She knew three women in church who are architects and who are stressed. Is what she didn't know is that it was not the architecture that was stressing them. It was something else. One of them was stressed because she's been married. I think as at that time she was married like eight years. No children. One stress because they from nowhere just retired her from her job. She didn't know that. But she knew they were, they were stressed. So she was right. So what I did was, I said, do you know so-so-so uncle? He said, yes. I said, is he stressed? She goes, no. I said, but he's an architect. Do you know this other uncle? He said, yes. Is he stressed? No. But he's an architect. So I pointed like four people that she knows who are architects then she said no daddy I want to be a banker and I said ah that's nice like your grandfather so I said but why she said daddy I want to have plenty money I want to have a lot of money I don't want to when I need something then I have to be praying and praying and praying and praying when I want something I should just go and buy it 
So I said, even if you have all the money in the world, you will still need to pray. But you know what? Consider it. Because I see you like to draw and you are good in maths. Those are the two qualities you need to be a very successful architect. And I left it. I didn't talk to her. I traveled. I was in the U.S. when I came back. They told me, oh, daddy, I've selected my courses. I said, which courses? Technical drawing. I said, ah. I used to call her baby. I said, baby, what happened? Banking and technical drawing. What is, uh, there's, they don't meet her. She said, no, 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 I'm not doing banking again. I said, what? I want to be an architect. I said, really? What happened? She said, I have been going online and checking what architects do. And I really like what they do. Guess what? She's an architect today. She went to school. Even while she was in school, she was having problems. Her own ac academic advisor went to her and said, you cannot survive in this course. Switch to something else. When she called me, I said, what do you want to do? She said, daddy, I am not switching from architecture. I am going to do this course and I'm going to graduate and I'm going to disappoint that academic advisor. I said, the next thing you need to do, go to the head of department, report to the head of department, tell the head of department you want a change. You do not want an academic advisor that is discouraging you. I, I work in the university system, so I know what it is. And she did that. And I said to her, I said, you know what? You are going to have to work extra hard now to prove that person wrong. Guess what? She failed that course. She failed one of the courses. And she called me and was crying. I said, don't worry. Carry it over. It's not a sin. You didn't commit a sin. Carry the course over. Eh, Daddy, you see, carrying it over means I'm going to do one extra semester. I said, and so what? One extra semester, and so what? I'm the one paying the school fees. I'm not complaining. Take it. Take the course next year. Took the course next year, and she got an A. And she graduated. Today, she's busy designing houses for people. In fact, some days, somebody paid her money one day. I said, ah, baby, now wow, you are just sitting here. I'm just seeing a lot. 1.2 million. You be a small girl. What do you want to do with this? She said, daddy, I'm not a small girl anymore. So we must encourage them to go with the thing that they have an aptitude for, the thing that they love. If they love it, if they meet any obstacle on the way, that passion for that thing will take them over it. Have I answered your question, sir? Thank you so much, sir, for the question. Thank you so much. Please let us appreciate our father in the Lord. Let us appreciate him. Let us appreciate him. Uh, Daddy, please, you can go have a seat, sir, for this moment. Let's appreciate him one more time. If you really enjoyed that class, let us appreciate the grace of God upon his life. Wow. That was a 